pod people, you are listening to The Universe Unhinged, your weekly news for all things bizarre. I'm Chris. And I'm Liz. Hello, pod people. We are here live together for the first time in my lovely pod studio, aka basement. (laughs) And we have had a busy, crazy week together, enjoying the final days of the Halloween season. And one of the things that we did was go on a ghost tour in Gettysburg. Yes, we did. Um, one of the best yet. It I was. Say. Yeah. So the name of this company was called Ghostly Images, and we did a tour of the orphanage with Mike, the grave digger. So we just want to give a little shout out and say how wonderfully creepy this tour was and how amazing Mike was for me. What yeah. do you think? I mean, Mike was fantastic. We've done this year after year after year, and Mike was hands down the best uh, ghost tour experience that I have had at Gettysburg. Yeah, and the best part, I think, for me was when we went into the cellar and he flipped all the lights off, and you're sitting there in total darkness as he begins to continue to tell like the different little stories from the orphanage and all. Uh, but it was very well done. So if anybody is visiting Gettysburg ever, go to Ghostly Images and request Mike the Grave Digger <laughs> as your guide. And you won't be disappointed. And I feel like we just did a commercial for Ghostly Images. <laughs> it did sound like a commercial, but that's okay. We also did a spooky car wash. We did. Which was a bunch of clowns. <laughs> it's like a... Just imagine you go through a car wash <laughs> and some, like, random people kind of come up to the window. But they're dressed, dressed they're up spooky, as clowns. Dressed up as clowns. I mean, I jumped wash. once or twice because I wasn't expecting him to yes. come next to my window. And it was fun. Yeah. Um, so we've had a busy, busy week dressing up for our little Halloween thing that we did, which we'll post some of those pictures online. We killed it this year we here again. It. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Um, so before we get into our stories, though, um, I have a gift for you. Oh, is it cheese? Is it's it? Not. <laughs> it is not cheese. This is your gift. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is, I hate this. <laughs> I hate, I always tell people, I hate opening gifts in front of people. Well, now but now I hate opening. <laughs> I like having of, it open in front of you and, and on the podcast. People listening. Oh yeah, this is a nightmare. This. So I'll first describe the wrapping yes, paper. It's beautiful it. uh, nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> it's green. It's got a beautiful Jack Skellington on it. Um, this is I your Halloween this. present. This is beautiful. I didn't get you anything. It's okay. You're here with me. That's Aww. the best gift Aww. of all. <laughs> you do care. <laughs> this is a little something. Um, just to, you know, help you get started. Oh <laughs> gosh, I don't know what's, what's going to be in here. What's it say? There's absolutely nothing creepy or scary in this box whatsoever. Enjoy. Exactly. I feel like this is going to be something creepy or scary, but I don't know what would be creepy no, or scary to me. It's not. This is a little something to help you get started with your brand new... Oh <laughs> <laughs> collection since I know how much you quote unquote your last clown collection meant to you the one that only existed in your head so I figured it would be great to make this a reality for you this is the best gift I have ever Where the heck did you get this? Okay, so this came from um, the antique store right up the street here. Stop. And I specifically, me and Dan went in and we're like, okay, spread out. We got to find a creepy clown. (laughs) A creepy clown. So this was the one that I found. Wow. This is thoroughly creepy. And I kind of love him. Okay. Well, he's, he's he's your very first one for your... Your clown collection that you never had wow. that only existed in your head, but and now it's he's reality. got like this weird bald patch too. Like he's extra creepy. So apparently oh. he's ba- he's actually a bozo the clown from the eighties. It was like a um, 
It's so good. I can't remember the name of it. We have to post a photo of this. Oh, because we will. This is top notch. Yes. Creepy. I mean, he's got like 50 year old man hair right yeah. there with like a wig and then a big bald spot. I mean, he is, he's like going through a midlife crisis and he's joined the, the uh, circus. Well, he's going to join us for today's pod episode. Okay. So we got Liz, Chris, and Bozo. Here. Chris and Bozo. Yep. We, we need to give him a new name. Okay. Well, thank you. He's one of hundreds that I will be working towards collecting. And I, I will gladly support that and work towards providing you with many more clowns to come for years to come. This is so good. And actually, I already talked to Dylan. I already told him about did this. Did you? I did. And he's like, maybe I'll make her like a little clown cabinet. And... Oh my gosh. If I go home and there's a clown cabinet, I'd be like, you guys have taken this joke too far. Okay. It's gone far enough. We're done. <laughs> no, we're only getting started. Oh gosh, we are only great. getting started. Well, okay. this is what it feels like to have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I only have Oscar, which we haven't talked about in a while, but you know. Oh, Oscar. Okay. So yeah, that that is my gift to you. Thank you. you. Enjoy. Thank you so much. And you, if you want to start us off today with your story. Oh, okay. You and creepy clown here. I'm gonna. He's gonna join us for top to bottom. Hope he enjoys. <laughs> we're gonna prop him up here. Nope. We're gonna keep him on my lap. <laughs> All right, folks. Let's see if we can get. Uh, some energy. Apologize here. We're running on low fumes given the busy week we've had. And I have a cold. And we've got sickness <laughs> running through the house. There's just, we're, we're dealing with so much. But disease. Disease. We got disease. So we have talked a lot about Halloween movies on here these past mm-hmm. few episodes mm-hmm. with the Halloween theme. But there's one that we have not mentioned. And it is arguably a horror movie that is in a full league of its own. Okay. What do you think I'm going to say? Well, you know what I'm going to say, because I gave you a clue. Uh, yeah. It's, Do you want me to say it? Yeah. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Maybe okay. you can plug in some Exorcist music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I'll go. I was just trying to think. Does it go? It's my ringtone. Is it, is it the... No. Um, <laughs> you can call my phone and it would pop up. Huh. Moving on. Okay, I mean, but seriously, when this film was released, people were going nuts over this film. Yeah. I mean, we people were crying, running out of theaters. They were throwing up in theaters. Yeah, I heard I mean, about that. They were screaming. Cry- it was insane. There's a video on YouTube, if anyone's interested, where you can actually watch people's reactions coming out of the theaters at the time that it was um, distributed in, in theaters. So... Um, but no doubt, society's tolerance for disturbing content has definitely increased. So I'm thinking things like Saw, even all of the horrifying Exorcist movies that followed the original. Like, I mean, our, our disturbing content is way above where, mm-hmm. where it was. But still, that doesn't take away, I think, from the impact that this film had on our culture at the time of its release in 1973 and just the overall horror genre. Also, fun fact, this was the first horror movie nominated for an Academy Award. Was it really? It was, yes. Did Uh, it win? It did not win. Okay. But it did win some other awards. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I could like go and do a whole story on the filming of this movie because there's a lot of creepy stuff that took place during the filming. They say that it was cursed. I mean, just lots of crazy, bizarre stuff. But instead... People died. People died, yes. I mean, there's... You could... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's up there with Wizard of Oz, if you know anything about Wizard of Oz. I mean, in terms of filming. Creepy stuff. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about IRL exorcisms. Okay. Do you know what IRL stands for? In real life? Woo. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> so language barriers, bridging the gaps. And let me tell you, folks, the devil is busier than ever. So the term exorcism is most commonly associated with Christianity, but in particular Catholicism. So I'm going to really focus on the Catholic relationship with exorcisms. Okay. So let's start at the top with a little timeline history. So first up, we have to look at the Bible to understand exorcism origins. So um, the New Testament tells the story of Jesus and contains stories of him performing exorcisms, including, but not limited to, Jesus casting out an unclean spirit in which a man was convulsing, crying out in a loud voice. And then there was a situation where Jesus commanded a demon to leave a man's body and then it was sent to a herd of pigs, mm-hmm. and then it jumped into the sea, and they drowned. Yes. So these exorcisms were um, supposed to be evidence of his authority over the devil, 
and served to show his spiritual power. But in addition to the Bible telling us about Jesus performing exorcisms, there are plenty of moments where he also gives his disciples authority over spirits and the devil and unclean spirits as well and commands them, them they themselves to drive them out. And this is where the church then took the direction to perform exorcisms even after Jesus' death. So after Jesus' death, the church continued to perform exorcisms and they believe Jesus as they believe Jesus commanded them to do. So we know, you know, the Protestants, they broke off from the Catholic Church and they have like their own timeline in history with exorcisms yeah. that followed. But that's like a totally different story altogether. So but for the Catholic Church, even back then they were very structured and they had a very structured way of performing exorcisms based on specific prayers and rituals. Like they had a boxed in process, a rule book on how to do it. And in many ways, a lot of those things are still the same as today. But let's talk about what they look like today. So how does the church, the Catholic church, define an exorcism today? So it's a prayer used against the power of the devil. And the Catholic church believes exorcisms are needed in situations where a person maybe needs to be protected over the power of the devil. And there are two different types used today. So there's a minor exorcism or the rite of baptism also called in which when an infant or an adult is baptized, they believe baptism itself is a form of exorcism as it serves as protection over future encounters with the devil. Then there's, and what we're all here for, what's called major exorcisms. And this can be performed by a bishop or a priest, with, but, it ha but they have to have explicit permission from the church seniors before they can perform one. Okay. They also have to go through like a certification to be an actual exorcist. It's like a whole thing. But when a priest or bishop is made aware of the demonically afflicted, they should first have the person medically assessed, which I thought this was pretty cool that they don't just like go and, and like, okay, I'm just going to start performing an exorcism. They do believe that the person should be medically assessed. So this includes both medical and psychiatric testing. To prove that they're not crazy. Exactly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> And the church, but the church does make it clear that the actual determination of whether the person is truly possessed by the devil is made by the church and the church alone. So even if an individual claims to be, be possessed by like their own diagnosis mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm possessed, I'm the devil, the, <laughs> the church can be dismissive of that. They basically mm -hmm. get the final say. Okay. They can say, no, you know what? We think you need to see a doctor. I think your clown is possessed. <laughs> What that look? We could we could perform that exorcism. We're not Catholic. We're Protestants. We we've got our own own rule book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, but stipulations on who can receive one. So there were stipulations, or there are currently stipulations on who may actually receive an exorcism. So since an exorcism is considered a sacrament uh, and therefore a blessing, Catholics and non-Catholic Christians do qualify under the Catholic Church. But as a non-Christian, you have you still have to be a believer of God or some sort of, you know, spiritual mm -hmm. path. And you also have to have what they call proper disposition, meaning that you want to be free, but these have to be these ones have to be escalated even higher up in the church for approval if they're gonna be performed. Okay. Uh, so then how does a demon actually enter? Well, according to Catholic doctrine, demons rely on doorways. So this can include things like habitual sin, but there are two doorways in particular that the Catholic Church believes to be uh, the biggest doorways. So the first one is history of abuse, and in particular, sexual abuse. It's a major doorway for demons. So one exorcist said that as many as 80% of people who come to him seeking an exorcism are sexual abuse survivors. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. According to priests, and this is really interesting, but according to priests, sexual abuse is so traumatic that it creates kind of a soul wound hmm. that makes a person vulnerable to demons. And the second doorway is an interest in the occult. Yeah, that one, for sure. So, like, that that's what they say, don't play with Ouija boards, exactly. I'm sure. Like, all of that <laughs> voodoo dolls, like, all of those things. Um, and so, is the church, like... You'll, you'll, as I kind of go through this, you'll see that there has been a huge resurgence in the increase in, in possessions. And the church says uh, that the resurgent is, um, they say the resurgent in magic, witchcraft, attempts at communicating with the dead are all main reasons for uh, more exorcisms being performed and needed. So today the Catholic Church is more cautious than ever of performing exorcisms though, and you literally cannot blame them given some real life 
horror stories that have occurred. So, most recently in September 2021, a three-year-old was killed during an exorcism. Hell. The child's throat was squeezed, and she was held down during the ceremony. Oh. And her um, family ended up being uh, charged with child neglect, too, as they were the ones that were believed to have done it. But it was in the process of the exorcism. I mean, it wasn't intentional. Why were they squeezing her throat? Maybe she was convulsing. I, you know, yeah. Huh. So, but she died, a three-year-old died. But also, why are you having, performing an exorcism on a three-year-old? That too, yeah. Three years old? Yeah. She probably has ADHD. Anyway, in 1976, um, Annalise Mitchell of Germany, she died of dehydration and malnutrition after nearly 10 months of Catholic Church exorcisms being performed on her. And then in 2005, Marcy Sisa, Cornisa? Marcy Sisa. She's an Orthodox nun, and she died in an ambulance following an exorcism in which she was chained to a cross. And that was just in 2005. Wow. Um, so, but the church, they don't keep numbers or statistics at all on how many requests um, they receive. But the Atlantic reported that a single exorcist received 1,700. One guy received 1,700 annual requests in 2019 and reported that he had never seen numbers that high. That is staggering to That's me that crazy. he received 1,700 requests, this one person. My question would be, after their, the supposed exorcism was performed, was there an improvement in the said person's personality? After the, Oh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't look into that, <laughs> right? I'm sure... I mean, I would think maybe there'd have to be something. Even if it's psychosomatic, it depends on what you believe, yeah. you know? Uh, so the numbers of, of exorcists that are verified by the church... Um, or, I'm sorry, the number of exorcists themselves, so the people who perform exorcists, and they're verified by the church, they cannot keep up with... Um, those numbers, as there are only currently today 70 to 100 exorcists that are verified by the church. Mm. Again, no official statistics exist um, because they like to protect the identities of the exorcist yeah. because they don't want them to get unwanted attention, right. which, you know, we're, we have all these questions. It'd be easy for us <laughs> exactly. to be like, well, let's just shoot an email over to one of them. <laughs> um, but regardless, the church has confirmed that the requests have increased overall, especially following the pandemic. Huh. Which, yeah, which to me, I was like, you know, this could be that there's correlation to mental illness in a lot of these cases. Mm -hmm. You know, as we saw how the pandemic took a toll on mental health of people all around. But this is just a theory. So I will end on this, though. The article put out by The Atlantic, they interviewed an exorcist who was around at the time the movie, the original movie, was released. He spoke to, films, to the film's success as this, quote, it confirms something deep in the popular imagination. Very visceral, very rational, beyond science, far buried underneath medicine and psychology. This huge fear within all of us that these things are in fact true. And that's it, folks. Wow. Hope you learned something spooky and you can share it with your friends around and family around the dinner table. But, um, well, before, you, before we go over to your story, so... There was one statistic that I came across, and it said that 51% of Americans believe in demonic possessions. Okay. So what is your quick, just quick take? Are they real or fake? I would say real. Absolutely. Yeah? Definitely real. Um, 51% of Americans, though. I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what the statistic is for how many Americans believe in ghosts. I don't know. And things like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great... I don't know. Good question. Actually. All right. So here's a poll that I just found. It says 20% polled were unsure if they believe in ghosts. Comparatively, 43% of Americans polled believe demons exist. Well, I don't See, know. So you've got, so here I've got 22% say demons definitely exist. 24 say they probably exist. Okay. So that's, you're up to 46? Yeah. Okay. 46% say demons exist. The numbers are similar when Americans are asked about ghosts. So 20% say they definitely exist. 25% say they probably exist. And I mean, I know we kind of already talked 25. about this just the other day, but for our listeners, have you ever had any experience anything? Would love to hear that. Yeah. Feel free to... Are you, wait, are you talking to I'm me? I'm asking you. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, go ahead yeah. and send us a message. 
Um, but definitely, yeah, we'll ask the listeners too. But yeah, you. Like, have you experienced anything? Have I experienced anything with a ghost or... No. I mean, I wish I could say yes. I mean, like I said, I, I've, I've played a Ouija board before. I've seen it move. But like I said, and I'm sure some of our listeners out there would, would maybe have seen this too. It works with some people. You know, it's like there's a common theme. You got a common denominator <laughs> every time it works. And it's not you. It's them. So, you know, I don't know. But that's it. That's not, I don't even know if that's spooky. You got a thing that's being moved yeah, with people touching it. Exactly. Um, that's it. Nothing that I can put, you know, nothing that flags. What about you? Do you want me to share? Yeah. I share? Okay. So this happened a few years. This is the only thing that personally happened to me. I mean, I know of relatives where now who knows how much, how well you can take this, mm-hmm. but like our Aunt Edith in Kentucky, like yeah. she, uh. She supposedly, there's a little boy that had walked into the house and she looked at him like, what are you doing in my house? Like that type of thing. And he was wearing like old fashioned type clothes and she went to grab him by, um, what did she, it was something, suspenders. I don't remember, suspenders or something. And he had like disappeared right in front of her. Now again, is that true or was she just trying to scare us? I don't know. I don't know. Right? <laughs> what a great way, though, because we're still telling these stories. Exactly. How many years I later, I think that's great. It. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, no, so the only thing that I can say that ever happened to me was my husband, he paints, like, little uh, soldiers, like, you know, Civil War soldiers and things like that. And so he was gluing them onto the bottoms of pennies um, so that they would stand up. And they were all lined up along our bedroom floor. <laughs> and I had walked in. You guys in. have a very exciting <laughs> I was just going to say, I know it sounds wonderful. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he was in the shower, so there's nobody around me at the time. And I was in the bedroom. And then all of a sudden I heard a loud, like, clink, like that. And I turn around and I'm like, what? Like, what in the world was that? And on the floor, lying there was one of these little Civil War figures that had been ripped off of the penny as it had been slammed into the TV stand. And there's still, like, a little indentation from where it hit that direct spot. So, I mean, that, I have no explanation. Tried to recreate it. I tried, I picked one up and just, like, threw one at the wall to see if it would come off the penny. Did not come off the penny because it hit with such a force that it left a dent in in the TV stand. Who threw it? Who exactly. threw the toy soldier? <laughs> what were they trying to say? Where it, are they? Was the was this little soldier possessed by the spirit of a real soldier? We may never know. We could do a toy soldier and clown exorcism <laughs> next episode. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's the weirdest thing, you know, that's ever unexplained thing that's ever happened to me. That's so. pretty crazy, though. That have, would spook me. If anybody has any idea of what they think that can be, sure, let me know. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can reinvestigate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so you got anything else you want to add? No. Me? That's it. Let's keep trucking. Alright, so um, let's see if you can guess what this phobia is, because you didn't do so good on the last one. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, so try and guess what taphophobia is. Fear of taffy. Go. (laughs) (laughs) You're so confident. (laughs) Absolutely not. Taphophobia is the fear of being buried alive. They gotta come up with better names for these. <laughs> Taffy, I'm not, though, I mean... I'm not convinced that these are my... This is my problem. <laughs> I like that, though. Um, so I am gonna kick my story off by first reading a poem that I wrote some time ago, and it is titled Buried Alive. Alright, are we ready? Ready. Okay. And I'm going to read it in my creepiest British voice. <laughs> I'm telling you, they got the best voices. Do I you, love all our Brits. So I get to verify that it's that you don't actually have a little boy reading. Okay. <laughs> well, we're, I'm not going to do a little boy accent this time. Okay. This is just like a creepy. All right. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
eyes that look but do not see, cannot, will not ever know what's beneath the old oak tree, scritching, scratching far below. Ears that listen, never hear, piercing cries of wakened death, shrills and shrieks that disappear, faintly whisper with each breath. Blood-stained wood, boned fingertips, leave no memories of their youth. Clawing, tearing, aching rips, never to reveal the truth. Death has no time whilst awake, so word unto the wise, take plenty care, make no mistake, to look and see with both eyes. That is my poem. That was awesome! (laughs) I wrote that a while ago. Wow, that was great. But I thought it was fitting for what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, So I want to talk about, obviously, being buried alive. I think it's a fear that not taffy. No, not (laughs) taffy. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe in the next episode. You know what? We'll Google like what the definition. There's got to be like a fear of taffy thing out there somewhere. There's got to be. I don't know what they would call it if they're not calling it that. Taffophobia. What else is it? (laughs) Um. So, but as early as the 14th century, people have been being have been buried alive. And it is a very, back like in the 1800s and things like that, it was a well-known fear that people had. I mean, we may not think of it today as being like a top fear, you know, what not being buried alive with embalming and things like that that Mm -hmm. we have, but I'm sure there's still people that nobody wants to be buried alive. No, I mean, that would be even like an, think of like an avalanche, things like that where people suffocate. Yeah. Um... So, there was a man by the name of William Tebb. He wrote a book called Premature Burial and How to Prevent It, where Mm -hmm. he discovered that, at the time, that there were 219 premature documented cases of near-miss burials. So, they caught it right before they were buried. There were 200... These are just cases that were documented. Okay? So, it was basically, oh, my, you know, this family member died. They show up at the... Well, we call it a, they have a morgues back then. I don't know. Show up at the thing dead and they're getting ready to get, prepare them for death. Well, then they wake up suddenly right before they, they bury them. I don't understand why they had to write a book about pre- how not to have a premature because burial. Because it was that big of a fear. Then bear, burn the bodies. That people I don't had. understand. Uh, <laughs> 149 actual premature burials where they woke up underground... And these are the only that did they not check the pulses? Um, so we will get into some of the ways that they tested for that. But I mean, obviously, yes, they test were tested the pulse. People that um, malaria was very common back then, things like that. And if you know anything about malaria, um, if you get it and it's severe, your pulse is basically next to nothing it slows down like okay. that much the word if you feel it you can't even tell that somebody's alive okay um so but one of the very first earliest known burials that we have uh took place in 1471 and this was a well-known medieval author monk uh, by the name of thomas kempis and he was accidentally buried alive uh, when he was exhumed some 200 years later, and don't know what exhum means, that just means digging his body back up for whatever reason they wanted to move him or study it or whatever, I don't know. But once they they, they dug him back up, they found that there were scratch marks on the underside of the coffin uh, and splinters of wood were underneath his fingernails. Oh my gosh. From, from scratching to try and get out of the coffin. And if that wasn't bad enough, uh, being buried alive, when the church discovered the tragedy, they promptly shut down efforts to canonize Kempis as a saint. Um, Their reasoning was, surely no aspiring saint finding himself so close to meeting his maker would fight death in this way. So they took away his sainthood uh, because, you know, if he truly was with God, quote unquote, then his spirit would have went right to be with God instead of okay. him 
living on and trying to dig his way out of the grave. Wow. <laughs> talk about not taking responsibility for your own mistake. Well, the exact wording was talk about adding insult to being buried alive. Yes. <laughs> It's like, you're blaming me? You buried me alive, and it's my fault? Exactly. <laughs> that I didn't die? Okay. Yeah. So another well-known case, and this, this one is a little crazy, but of someone being buried alive was a woman by the name of Alice Blunden. Alice Blunden was married to a malt dealer, and she enjoyed a very comfortable lifestyle. She's described as a gentle woman of sizable girth. So she was not, <laughs> she's, not she's a slim thick. woman. She's a thick lady. <laughs> <laughs> and she had the misfortune of one day in 1674 of consuming a bit too much poppy tea. Mm, so people like would heroin. Drink... Isn't poppy? Wasn't that like heroin? That's like where, yeah. like, yeah, opioids and things like that come from poppies. And did okay. you know that if you consume enough, like, poppies from, you like, die. bagels and things? No, like, from bagels and things like that, if you oh. take a drug test, it you will fail. It wow. will show up that you have opioids, like, in your urine. That's Mythbusters wild. even did, like, a whole did thing they? of this. They did. Uh, where he was, like, he went in to the police station and they had him like eat all this stuff and then they test his urine like sure enough yep well here we go folks if, if you, you guys have yeah. a if you have a drug test don't coming eat up, your, don't eat that poppy bagel or if you're feeling for other reasons and you need an excuse remember this one it's the poppy seeds that did it yeah exactly you'll be clean next week <laughs> Uh, so this narcotic beverage was responsible for sinking her into a coma so deep that when her family summoned a doctor, and this is one of the tests that they would do to determine if someone was alive or not, was they would place a mirror under their nose. So you place a mirror under the person's <laughs> nose, <laughs> and if they're breathing, you should be able to see, you know, their breath, like, on the uh, mirror. This sounds faulty. Try it. Like, you, you've seen, like, you go up to a mirror, you go... Like that into the mirror, yes, and it leaves but not like that. Like a dead... Anyway, it just seems faulty. Doesn't... So apparently, this this test has never failed. It's well, never it sounds failed. like it has failed what two hundred and nineteen times. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, what do you mean? It's never failed. Maybe those people didn't use that test. Who knows? Uh, okay, <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> So, um, it is, they did the, they did the mirror test and her nose failed to detect her breathing on the mirror. So they automatically assumed, okay, she's dead. <laughs> uh, her husband was away at the time on business and wanted the funeral postponed because he wasn't there. I mean, right. That's a reasonable request. Wait till the husband returns to bury your wife. Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> Mrs. Blunden's family... Uh, at the behest of the doctor, decided to bury her without delay. Which I also understand, though, given diseases. The urgency of burying a body. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what you're saying, um, also, too, she was a very large woman. Mm. Large people didn't decay faster than slimmer people. So they think that that was one of the hmm. reasons why the family was so quick to be like, yeah, we need to get her in the ground, like, right away. Okay. Because she was a very large, large lady. Interesting. Um, and they didn't have freezers uh, for body storage and things like that back then, like we do. Uh, heat, coupled with the fact that, um, like I said, obese people decayed quicker. Um, so it was in the interest of everybody to just bury her as soon as possible, except okay. for the husband. Of course. Yeah. So given how quickly quickly her family wanted her ground, it seemed that a ready-made coffin was selected instead of a custom-built piece, which means that her big body was forced into this tiny coffin. Oh, she was, sque she was squeezed in it. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it says, resulting in the use of poles to force her arms and legs down. So that the lid could be fastened how did she, shut. How did this lady not wake up? How is that possible? <laughs> because she had all this like intoxications like in her from the, the poppy tea. Wow. Um, so okay. she was that out of it. Um, the coffin did not remain shut for long. It says two days later, children playing in the graveyard were frightened when they heard Alice's, Alice Blunden's moans and cries. 
for help coming from her fresh grave. <sighs> they immediately went and told their headmaster, who rather than taking them seriously, punished them for making up stories. Oh my gosh. Uh, it would be another full day before the headmaster finally deciding to investigate came and heard Alice's weeping cries for himself. <sighs> And still, later in the day, before anyone could be found to dig her back up. Now, my question is, because I, a lot of things say that, like, you can't, if, especially in a coffin, you, you your breath, like, you can, you can only breathe for so long. Yeah. How did she last for over a day underground breathing? I don't know. And how did they even hear her? I don't understand. How is that possible? They could hear her Six crying, I guess. Under? I mean, do you want to go test it? We can dig a hole out back and put you in it and like, <laughs> yeah. report back to everybody sure. and see? Yeah, very... Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an old sister prank right here. <laughs> It'll be so much fun. Yeah, like 50 card pickup. It'll be so, I'll let you out right away. <laughs> Four days later. Oh my you, gosh, how have you... How's you your can take been? your clown with you. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so Mrs. Blunden, as can be imagined, was in quite a state when she was finally Mm -hmm. exhumed, meaning dug back up. She had bruises and blood all over her from trying for days to escape her burial plot. It was so weakened from the experience that she had passed out once more. Oh. All right, now... Well, maybe she'd have a bit more energy to dig herself out if she wasn't doing all them poppy seeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drugs are bad, kids. Stay in school. So, rather than taking her to see a doctor, it was decided that, well, obviously now she must be dead, right? What? So, they buried her for the second time. Oh my gosh, <laughs> these people! <laughs> What is going on? She was bundled up into her coffin and deposited back into her grave with a guard posted to ensure that she remained there this time. What? If they had to do that, why didn't they just wait to bury her? Like, why didn't they just say, you know what? We're going to give this lady a little bit of time. Because she was a big woman. They needed her in that grave so she didn't start (laughs) expiring. Why did they slit her throat? I don't know. It sounds like they just, like, anyway. Wanted to get rid of her? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Was there a big life insurance policy and the husband was Well, no, I did read that because she was an overweight woman that the family might have been embarrassed. Oh. And things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, she's embarrassed. We'll just get rid of her now. Yeah. So she was deposited into the grave once more with a guard standing over her. And during the night, it began to rain. And the guard abandoned the cemetery in favor of a local pub where it was nice and warm and cozy. And this time, Alice obliged everyone by dying once and for all. Wow. When the grave was uncovered the following morning, it was discovered that Mrs. Blunden had awoken during the night and finding herself once more inside the grave tore her face and hands to shreds in her panic to escape. Oh! She was not to be so lucky the second time, however, and her family discovered that this time for certain, she was deceased. And I'm thinking, you've already missed it once, twice. How do you know this third time exactly. she was dead for certain? <laughs> they, I'm not convinced they do. I think they just, they, they're like, it's, um, they're staying in that ground. Yeah, so a court case was actually brought forward by the husband... Who, you know, he was gone at this time and he was furious. Okay, that all so this someone happened. cared about her. Yeah. Okay. So he had brought forth a court case against them oh. for the, the burial the first and the second time of her being buried alive. Though being found guilty of murder was certainly a possible outcome, it was the testimony of the doctor that saved Alice's family. Hmm. Uh, from the gallows, as he testified the that gallows for this, jeez. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they put people in the gallows for stealing a loaf of bread back then. So yeah. Okay. Um, he testified that he had administered the original death test and found Mrs. Blunden to be unresponsive. So far as anyone was aware, the mirror test had never failed before. Until now. <laughs> and also the 219 previous yeah, tests. Yeah, exactly. And Alice Blunden then was simply the unlucky outlier. Uh, so needless to say, people had a very healthy fear of being buried alive. Yeah. 
And if you'd be interested, I'll give you a couple more instances yes. where people have been very alive. Now, this one was in February 21st, 1885. New York Times gave a disturbing account of such a case as a victim uh, from Buncombe County, North Carolina, mm -hmm. whose name was given as Jenkins. And his body was found turned over onto its front inside the coffin with much of his hair pulled out. Could you imagine pulling no. your mm -mm. hair? Nope. I mean, you rip one little hair out of my head and it hurts. Yeah. So I can't. Nope, I definitely cannot. Scratch marks were also visible on the all sides of the coffin's interior. And his family was reportedly distressed beyond measure at the criminal carelessness associated with the case. Another similar story was reported in the Times on January 18th, 1886, the victim of this case being described simply as a girl named Collins from Woodstock, Ontario, Canada. Her body was described as being found with the knees tucked up under the body and her burial shroud torn into shreds. Wow. Um, so we've talked about this before about medical, medical like craziness back then and just their procedures that they performed yes. and did were just insane. Yeah. What they believed as science was actually just like not real. Exactly. One of the things that they would do to, um, try <laughs> to try to resuscitate somebody back then was called a smoke enema. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay. So blowing smoke up somebody's what rear kind of end. smoke? Like, like tobacco smoke. Enemas became mainstream practice. Sure, they gave a heck of a nicotine buzz in for the 1700s. <laughs> treating many, they all. I mean, they also used it to treat many common ailments like headaches, respiratory illnesses, wow. um, and also the resuscitation of drowning victims. The practice was thought to provide two essential elements, warming the person's body and stimulating resuscitation. Uh, Richard Mead was the first known Westerner to suggest tobacco smoke enemas as an effective treatment for resuscitation in 1745. And I take it it worked. Uh, yes. One document case in 1746 came from the resuscitation of a man's wife who was revived by using tobacco pipe. Wow. Enema up her rear end. The stem wow. was shoved into his wife's rectum while he covered the other end of the pipe with his mouth and blew. Ah! Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were so common that they would keep kits com comprised of a tube, a fumigator, and bellows um, along like roadsides and things like that. Wow. Yeah. It's like the, it reminds me of like their version of the, what's those electric pad shocks? Yes. Like you shake and like, yeah, and exactly. like do, do their this chest. This is their version this of it. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> if we had to do that now. She's losing consciousness. <laughs> Get the Grab pipe. the anal, anal <laughs> the smoke. Tobacco. Who's got the Enema. tobacco? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, but another big thing back then were safety, safety coffins to ensure, um, that if you were buried alive, you could, basically it was a rope that was tied, it was a string that went up to the ground with a bell. Now this is smart. Yeah. I like this. Okay. This is smart. <laughs> and if you were buried alive, you would ring that bell. I mean, first off, the fact that we and... need a bell is wild, but I yes. like this. This feels better than yeah. what we were doing with the other lady. Uh, many designs were built and sold, but there's no, um, no recorded instance of it ever working. Like somebody ringing a bell that had been buried alive oh. and being like brought back Could out of the ground because of that. you imagine seeing the bell ring? <laughs> Oh, yeah. What would you do? That would be crazy. I mean, I would be excited. I'm not going to lie. I would, would be a you? little like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. So uh, when you die, can I bury you with a bell? Yes. Yes, okay. you can. Okay. It's kind of sweet in a way. <laughs> you can bring a Ouija board to my grave <laughs> and then use the board to communicate with the bell. Uh, so this is where the phrase saved by the bell comes from. Whoa. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And to think they made a whole tween uh, TV series. Yeah. About <laughs> the this concept of burying people alive. 
So, but you wouldn't think that possibly with all our technology, with everything that nowadays that it would be possible, right? To bury somebody alive? Right. I'm gonna, I'm, the way you're asking me though <laughs> makes me think, no, it is possible. In 2001, a body bag was delivered to Mattery's Funeral Home in Ashland, Massachusetts with a live occupant. F the funeral director discovered this and called paramedics which, in turn, this avoided live embalming or premature burial. But he was already zipped up in the thing. They thought he was dead. They were getting ready to embalm him. Okay. Uh, so that's just one minor case. In 2014 now, in Macedonia, Greece, police discovered that a 45-year-old woman was buried alive and died of asphyxia after being declared clinically dead by a private hospital. She was discovered just shortly after being buried alive by children playing near the cemetery who had heard screams from inside the earth. Her family was reported to be considered considering suing the hospital, which was responsible. Uh, so she was, she was buried alive. It says a separate incident that occurred also in Macedonia, Greece. I don't know what's up with Greece. Mm -hmm. Police investigation concluded that a 49-year-old woman was buried alive after being declared dead due to cancer. Her family reported that they could hear her scream from inside the earth of the cemetery shortly after burial, and the investigation revealed that she died of heart failure inside her coffin. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I'd be going after those doctors yeah. or whoever so fast. And later it was discovered that medication given to her by the physicians as part of her cancer treatment was what caused her to be mistakenly declared clinically dead. Wow. This is this is why <laughs> you get cremated, folks. This right here. <laughs> yeah. You know what though? I have I've noticed more and more people Plenty. being cremated yeah. than ever before. And it could be like because of costs and things like that. But also you have cases like this where it's like, you know, maybe for everybody's yes. best interest, yes. it would be best to just cremate you. Yes. Um, I would like it recorded right here and now that I would like to be cremated. And then the final one, this actually just happened in 2020 uh, wow. in Southfield, Michigan. Oh, what up? Yeah. Uh, 911 was called when they found a woman unresponsive at her home. Upon arrival, paramedics found her to be unresponsive and not breathing. After they provided the cardiopulmonary resuscitation for 30 minutes, she was pronounced dead by a local emergency department physician based on the medical information provided by the paramedics on the scene. Resuscitation efforts were discontinued, and the woman was taken to a burial funeral home in Detroit. <laughs> Staff at the funeral home were preparing to embalm her body when they found her to be breathing. She was taken then to the Children's Hospital of Michigan where she died on October 18, 2020. So they didn't actually bury her, but they were about to. They were to about to, her. yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this leads me to my final question of if you woke one day and found yourself six feet under, buried in a coffin. What would you do? I would like to rebuttal that with a question. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Buried with Ryan, Ryan Reynolds? No. The whole movie is about him being buried alive. Really? And it takes place of him six feet under in a coffin and he wakes up and it's all about what he does to get out. And while he's under there, he's thinking back on his life. And no way. It's crazy. Um, I have to check that out. I have not seen it in so long. Oh, okay. So I wish my, res I, I'm thinking of that. And I was like, what did he do? Cause I think he gets out and I would like okay. my answer to be that, but I can't remember. So just for the sake of this question, I would say <clears throat> I would cry. I don't know what else I could do. I would try. I would, try, I would honestly, oxygen. Yes, I would try and find a way to kill myself quickly, quicker than if I just lay there. Oh probably. My gosh. Well, I don't. Well, know you're how. not. You wouldn't like try and fight because mine first instinct would be like fight my way. Out. Like, there's actually a whole YouTube video that tells you what to do if you're buried. Well, here we go. All right. Well, you tell me because right now my option is to how do I die as quickly and painlessly as okay. if I do nothing. Number one, stay calm. Okay. That's the most important thing. Okay. 
Preserve your oxygen. Okay. No heavy breathing. Okay. Small short bursts of breath. Um, that type of thing. Next is try to maybe maybe you were buried with a cell phone. So check your pockets. Okay. Said, said a lot of people nowadays are being buried with cell phones. So really? they don't know if that's because people are wanting to call their dead and like whatever. Who knows? But they're being buried with their cell phones. Okay. Check your pockets for cell phone. Are you gonna get service? Um, but then they. <laughs> what was funny is that if you have T-Mobile, you're screwed. So, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, T-Mobile. I do have T-Mobile. Well, no, I don't. I have Sprint. We're okay. Fine. Okay. Then you might be okay. Uh, if you have anything sharp, like a pocket knife, maybe you were buried with like a pocket knife. How about or... we just bury everyone equipped? Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, we should we should come buried up. Buried alive survival kit. Exactly. Yes. We should come out with this like universe unhinged buried alive survival kits, and then we'll hey, sell them. When we get when we get there, when we have enough <laughs> followers and reviews, this is gonna be what you can buy on our website. All right, more incentive to leave reviews, folks. I am so excited for that. I love that idea. <laughs> survival kit. This is great. <laughs> oh, okay. This is good. But that that's basically, and then. There's like, they show the guy in the video, and it's a cartoon, not a real person, obviously. Yeah. But as he, like, finally, if you can by chance scratch your way or get your way through the coffin, your next part is worrying about the dirt falling on you. Yes. So you have to kind of wiggle like a worm to get to the surface. Okay. He said, take like a cloth, wrap it around your face so the dirt isn't going in your mouth, okay. nose, eyes. Yes. And then just kind of wiggle way to the surface, digging a little bit at a time, shuffling <laughs> your feet. Um, and then with any luck, you'll make it up and you'll be alive once wow. again. This so. is okay. Yeah. I really hope I'm never in this situation, but if I do, <laughs> at least I have this, this We'll knowledge. put like a little flashlight in our kit, <laughs> a little like um, something. A knife. A little pocket knife. Although coffins nowadays aren't wood, so we have to figure out how do you get out of like. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> this whole thing is. You'd have to. Sl you're right. What do you. You can't. That's true. We'll think of something. Yeah. Hooey. That's my story. And let's hope that neither of us ever get buried alive. Yeah. Well, this was good. That was great. I learned something. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And if you have enjoyed listening to our podcast, we do ask that you could please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, number one, it helps us, people to find us better, but it also helps us. Like We don't know how we can improve what we can do if we don't see your reviews and comments and things like that. So please help us out. And as always, we thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Liz. Leader pop people. Bye.